This is the, the episode before the summit. I'm so excited. I'm ready Everyone's to go. Everyone's excited. We continue to get, we were on a call earlier and Jackie's like, I think we have four leads that have come across in the last like four hours, three, four hours. And two of them were summit related. One person excited, one person like we might have a cancellation from, from losing an OSC. The, the rotation of great employees is definitely almost unpreventable. You know, everyone's looking for someone, but yeah, I'm excited about it. We just saw the hype video Ooh, come nice. back looking good. Andrew did a great job with the pre-summit and Sarah webinars that, um, you know, we were trying to come up with solutions because so many people want more. So we're like, well, it's a digital yeah. experience on your own they do. time. And we had a big, a bigger turnout than I expected. It's new. So you never know. Like, and I, I don't set high well, expectations. Also, so I mean, think about exciting. how many, think about how many people come back year after year. We mm -hmm. have so many lifers who've been to every single summit since we started. True. The, but the balance, again, it's, it's like going to a concert at this point in the sense that if your favorite band has put out enough albums and created enough material, they're not going to play the whole set list, like your dream set list. There's going to be something that you wish yeah, you would have heard them talk about that they didn't. And so this was our attempt to just say, if, if you're newer or some of these digital topics are less comfortable for you to look at at the detail that we like to look at them at, here's your opportunity to do that. And it makes sense to me, and we'll see what the feedback is, because you're probably going to want to be in front of your computer looking at your screen while we're talking about the screen and just really yeah. trying to emphasize doing as much as we can together in person that makes sense to do when you're in person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So essentially 36 hours, sort of. Yeah. 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 I mean, I remember the very first and summit go. and then we'll get to it is, um, the, the second day I probably spent an hour and a half detailing every little step I took in every screen, the button I pushed to sell my own house with Zillow boost before Zillow boost existed, you know, running Facebook ads to my Zillow listing and all of the different ad iterations that I made and how I did the open house and, and all of the stats and, we just don't have time to get, to go to that level anymore. It's just, it's changed a lot since then. Yeah. And I think the average level, like knowledge level, like I don't know if the majority of the room needs that much detail. Maybe they do. Maybe they, well, I would love to know, like, well, do then we they want get that the Q and A, then have Q and A's and yeah, we, we get in. there. And that's my favorite thing about the cocktail hour is because it's day one and people go, Great, but can you point me in the direction of someone I need to talk to who has had this exact experience I'm going through and can help mm. me and be guy? And then, so if anyone listening to this is going to the summit, find your DYC buddy, and we will point you in the right direction of someone to talk to if we can't answer your question. But we've—I feel like we've seen it all and heard it all at this point. Definitely. Yeah, it's been around. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 238. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today is the ad doctor, Andrew Peek and Jackie Lipinski. Glad to be here. So excited to be here. I have mm -hmm. a big announcement to make. Ooh, I like announcements. 
I I saw Home Builder Hero, I think is the name of the podcast. The gentleman talks about like going through the process of building a home kind of phase by phase, put out a lot of a lot of content. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. But he was celebrating 300,000 downloads. Yeah, I just saw that. That's a lot. That is a lot. And it made me wonder, because I haven't looked at it in so long, hmm, where are we at? And across all platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, all the things, we just passed 200. Ooh, I like it. Celebration. Yeah. I like that. You what know what's really interesting is I just found his, so it's uh, David Bellman. Yeah. Um, this is his name, 300,000 downloads. Just goes to show you his Facebook page has only 115 people following it. Mm. Yeah. That makes it's, no sense, right? So like podcasts are are special, I guess. I yeah. don't know. Like you could be huge podcasts and the rest really doesn't matter. That's why so many other podcasts and people who create content do the things that we laugh at. Like be sure to like and subscribe and go here and go there and go there. We should, probably should do more of that ourselves. We but should. Yeah. Anyway, congratulations to David. And um, yeah, I, I, I can't get the exact number from all of the platforms, but really it started cranking up about three months ago to another level in terms of uh, a month by month increase. It's been, it's been really fun. It's kind of terrifying. Yeah, I don't like right. to think about it. Moving on uh, <laughs> to story time. Jackie, you're going to be up first. Well, this weekend was road trip extraordinaire for Labor Day. But one of the things I did make sure to stop at was we have a builder partner um, down where I was on vacation. Long story short, there was a forest fire. My husband and I were escaping from. Won't go into that. But <laughs> as we're escaping the forest fire, we're away enough from the smoke where I was like, oh, that's a builder partner. Let's stop at their model home. And it, I missed it by 15 minutes, but we still spent the time to drive around the site. I was taking pictures, looking at the traffic, um, looking on my phone of what, how they were doing and that the health of the community, because I wanted to get a bigger picture. But the one thing, and then my favorite takeaway was just, it looked pristine and it was clean and it felt nice and people were living there and it felt lived in and the amenities were clean. And I, I while I didn't see people walking around or moving because it was later in the afternoon, I did feel a, a neighborhood vibe. That nice. made me feel positive if I was driving through the community. So I know we talk about, you know, marketers getting out of the office and touring your communities if possible, but that is another thing to do and, and even bring a friend or grab another set of eyes of just what's your first impression of these communities, because I think that will make or break certain areas because I, I was definitely driving past um, a lot of construction sites and they did not feel as warm and friendly as this builder's community did when I, um, yeah. when I did. Leave. I have a follow-up question. Yes. Was the model open? Or it, was... I missed it by 15 minutes. Okay. So model hours were different. I think that's also something interesting to keep in mind because when I was taking uh, a group of people around recently here, a lot of the model homes were closed and it was a reminder of you can't count on that human interaction being the difference maker. So like you're saying, it's it's everything, even mm -hmm. the how well is the verbiage on the sign that says you're open or not open? Or is it lying to you and it says you're open, mm -hmm. but it's locked? And then you have to go online and realize that they're closed on Fridays. Like all those things kind of add up too. Yeah. And it was nice saying now selling phase five 
because when I walked around, it was obvious that the people were living there, not just now selling. So it's just like, we're, we're doing this in steps and you can see the phases and, um, it, it, it felt warm and fuzzy, but, um, there was, there was only one site that had a little extra garbage, but it wasn't consistent across the board. So, you knew that was at least an outlier that yeah. they can't. I, you know, I love controversy just because it helps us all learn. So this is not a, that's true. A punt. <laughs> in, in which way is that true? Andrew? I'm, um, I'm just being silly, but silly, Kevin, the, um, the now selling phase five, what's interesting to that, having gone through the process recently about interest rates and what does that mean? You know, the exact interest rate versus we have great financing opportunities. Mm-hmm. Does phase five do more for a customer than saying new home sites now available? What do you think? Five is up there. That's a high number. I feel like. As far as like, that's my my thought. How I felt this community was built. You can see the steps in which they were expanding. So it made me feel better and I can see Mm -hmm. where they were going in the future. So if I wanted to be aware of what is currently available, at least it's telling me, but I I don't know. I think we might, I think I might be like too in it because I know all the details. Well, I don't, I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer. It's just, I love questioning everything we take for granted as the way to do things, mm-hmm. um, especially as the market changes. And one of the things that just hit me when you were saying that is someone driving by, you know, a couple things might pop into your head when you see phase five. First is how many are there? Mm-hmm. Um, what is a phase? <laughs> might be a second question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is it? What is a phase? How many are in said phase? How long has it taken you to get to phase five? There's just a whole, and they're not all negative. There's just a whole lot of things that that might prompt someone to quickly kind of, what, what do I need to know based upon that information? I will say I'm looking at the photos on my phone of, of the site and I don't see any of the houses that I thought were available. I didn't see any signs saying like, this one's available, this one's available. So I can get a feel for what I could actually buy. So you're right. There was sure. a little but grayness. Were there any sold signs? I don't think so. It was mostly mm. just, you can see people fully living in their houses, but gotcha. I did not see big, bright sold signs on any houses. I like the language you said, uh, the first part, Kevin, like new home sites available. Like, like that seems more welcoming than phase five to me makes me nervous. Like, oh, is there some weird lottery system? Like there's so many phases because they release them in like groups of six or something like just thinking yeah. what a buyer could assume. Like it's not... It goes against a little bit of the welcoming. I've definitely that, seen, that had. I've definitely seen that done poorly where the sign says mm-hmm. new home sites now available and it's faded and cracked. And you're like, is this, uh, is that, was that added sure? two years ago? Does yeah. no one care? Um, I've so also you seen can, it where it, there's like the map on the sign, but mm-hmm. then they're not updating it with the souls and whose responsibility is it. And so I feel like there's, there's too much information and there's too little information. So you exactly. Balance. And I think that that can change. I, I did a, this is not, I, I, I know, I'm sorry. I take us all over the place, but I was given a talk to an executive team of, I think three different division presidents, co-CEOs and some other folks. And one of the things we just hit on, cause it resonated with them. And then it re-energized me on the topic was the necessity to treat every, this sounds so stupid, simple. I don't even want to say it again. Treat every neighborhood, every floor plan, every home with the uniqueness that it deserves. So there might be a community where it's better to be vague and another community where it's better to be Mm -hmm. specific, but go through the thought process every single time. Just like when when we're looking at Mm -hmm. a, a broken community or analyzing something, 
a lot of times people just want to jump straight to um, analytics or jump straight to the platform the ad's running on. I'm like, no, no, we got to We got to go back and just let's look at the ad cop. I know we wrote it. They wrote it. We've looked at it a thousand. Let's just reread it again <laughs> and, and look at it with a fresh set of eyes to start at the process the consumer is going through from beginning to end and re-question everything as, as efficiently as possible again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But it is always fun when you see your builder in the wild. When we were going from the airport in Guatemala City to Antigua, we drove by the builder that I helped down there. And I wasn't expecting it. I don't know if you were expecting to see your builder's signage, but I I was like, oh. I, I knew they were there. So I was like, if I have time... But it was also a unique set of circumstances where it's like, we're just doing a drive-by because we need to get out of this area because this yeah. is thick. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We had that when we drove to North Carolina over, um, over the summer. You know, Florida to North Carolina, we, we passed by a lot of builders. A lot of builders. But like, and we try to stop like, and let the kids out for a little bit and get like real food, not necessarily always McDonald's or whatever it may be. So I'm like, random city in South Carolina. I'm like, oh, look who's here. Of course they're here. They build in South Carolina. Why would they not be here? But it was, it was cool. Yeah. What uh, what story do you have for us, Andrew? Ooh, this is continuation. Remember last week we had Jen on and I talked about pants. And there was, we went into the strange subject of this. these pants have the built-in underwear, right? So we're skipping that. So I did the research on the pants that I need because I'm special and I, I, I research things too much. Now I actually decided to go to the model home, essentially. I'm going to go to a real store in real life. This is like my nightmare because I'm like, oh gosh, it's going to be hours. So I'll, I'll try to summarize it quickly. We went to Untuck It, which I think they advertise quite a bit. Terrible experience. It was just awful. Like they're just, and all these stores sell the same thing. Pants, different fits, different sizes, different tapers, whatever it may be, and shirts and all that, all around the same price point. So they were useless. Salesperson was uninterested, not listening. I'm like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. I have a four-day event. I need something for day zero, one, two, and then three or whatever, maybe. Or setup day, summit one, summit mm-hmm. two. Okay, here's what I need. Here's my budget. I don't really have a budget. I just want to get it over with and buy what I need to buy. So we'll try this on. I'm like, I'm not going to wear that material. I'm not trying it on. He's like, well, go ahead and try it on. I'm like, oh my gosh, wasting my time. Whatever. Didn't work. Go to Nordstrom, which was like right across the hallway at the mall. It was so annoying. Like they're commission-based, I found out later. And it was like probably had eight people, salespeople, walk up. Yeah, have you been helped? Have you been helped as I'm like holding stuff that someone obviously helped me with? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. Just trying these on. Okay. Okay. I bought one pair of pants from there and the sales rep or whatever she may be was like, who knows, like way over that way. We wanted to leave. So I go to check out and then she saw us leaving. It was one pair of pants for like $60 or something. She gets all upset, kind of annoyed with me and Lindsay. And then the person bringing it up, like, oh, this is mine. This is mine. Kind of like this weird ownership over it. And to me, I'm like, I just was offended. Maybe it's my millennial age. I'm like, why are you getting all grumpy with me? Because I didn't swipe the credit card, like for you to get your $4 in commission, whatever it is. So that was interesting. And then the next one, the pair of pants that I liked there, they they had a, a store down in this fancier part of town, Hyde Park Village. Bonobos is the the brand. And that was like a super cool sales experience. There's no pressure. I don't know if I just got along with the salesperson better, um, but they don't sell anything in the store. It all ships to you. Hmm. So essentially wow. you're going there to get fitted 
like, hey, this is what we do. There's no pressure to buy. Like, you know, it'll show up in like three or four days. Um, to put like for that 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 area like in the parking lot right in front of it, Maserati, Ferrari, Lamborghini, like every supercar was out front. So the area is definitely super premium. So I don't know if they hire better or they're more um selective on who they hire. So maybe it was just this is a great salesperson I interacted with. Were the prices with. more premium? No, they were like um hundred dollar pair of pants. I mean, I don't think that's crazy. Like it's as far expensive, as I can, nicer. but it's not it's, but not, it's not out like of absurd. the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um and there was Labor Day weekend. So of course it was on sale and whatnot. But it's like, well, now that we figure out these pants, let's go to shirt. Let's figure out what the fit for you. Here's your body type. You're probably this. Let's just see what see what works. There was zero pressure. And maybe that's what I wanted was zero pressure to make a decision because I'm I'm hard to make a decision for clothes because I know I'll sit there like at the summit coming up. I'm getting I'm getting open here. I'm like, oh, do I like this? Does it fit how I wanted it to fit? All these sorts of things, because I'm I'm a weirdo. Long story short, I felt like it was like you could have they're all selling the same product. We could compare this to homes. And the salesperson made the difference. Price points were pretty much exactly the same. Uh, fits were probably the same if I were to find comparable ones. But the simplicity of the last store where it's like, here's our four types of pants. Here's the four mm-hmm. cuts or whatever. And that's it. That's all we have. Oh, okay. Well, I don't like those. I don't like those. I like those. Cool. Let's try it on. Nope. This one next. And it's all within like a, maybe the store is like 1500 square feet. So it wasn't running around a huge parking lot. All right. What I want to know is how did you know the store existed? So from the initial research, if you remember last week, I talked about like, oh, I went with this brand, Lululemon, Mm -hmm. because that was like number one or number two. As far as like doing the research on it in this brand Bonobo. So I've been exposed to them on the internet before. And then at Nordstrom, they happen to have a return of, they have very few of Bonobos brands. And then I just happened to Google it. I'm like, oh, there's one 10 minutes from here. Let's just go there. I had no idea the retail experience existed, which they're, they're only in like bigger markets. So it's like Tampa, Miami, Atlanta, New York. Maybe there's like 50, 60 stores. So they're not all over the place. And they're in the like little fancy areas because they don't actually sell anything. So they're trying to get people to get mm-hmm. exposed to the brand. Yeah. They sell it, but you can't leave with with anything. Now but that the, you've been yeah, fitted, internet. is it easier to to go buy more on the website? Like, do they give you like a prescription yeah, for like, glasses? I know, like, like you- here's my size. Here's the cut. Here's all that stuff. So if I want more, I know it fits. Like I'm confident it fits because I tried on every variation within like five minutes of that. So, I mean, if I want another pair, I just, I'll click the button. I won't, but that's like my mindset as far as like, I don't mind paying more for something if I know it's going to work and I don't have to worry about the decision. Yeah. Cause I don't want to go through that pain anymore. Yeah. Like, so quote, pain. it wasn't this year, but last year's experience, I felt like I would go to the store and I'm, there's a thousand options and I just wanted it to be filtered. And actually I, I went home from the store, went back on the website. I was just at filtered every option, like what, what do I ideally want? Like, I like sleeves that are three quarters. I like high necks. I like dresses that are slightly longer, you know? And I felt like it was, it was like, same with you go to a model home. If there's so many options of houses, I don't, maybe I don't feel comfortable because I can't make a decision because there are so many options. I want to go back to the website. I want to filter to my favorites. I want to go look at my favorites, try Mm -hmm. on my favorites, have a good fit and feel for them and then make my decision. And that's, that's how I feel like 
I shop. And it's funny that you have a different experience. You'll pay premium for a good customer experience. I'll pay more to not talk to a human when I'm shopping. Usually I'd rather not like Nordstrom. I'm like, can these people get the heck out of here? But they just, they didn't want to help. Like this guy was like, that's his job is to help see if it works. Mm -hmm. It's really what it felt like. It was very casual versus Nordstrom. They were all like, Way too fancy family wearing yeah. suits. I'm like, what is this? This is strange. Versus they they were wearing the guy was wearing bonobos clothes. So like, this is what I wear. Da, da, da. And so it it fit, but it's do you not follow them on formal. Instagram and the social pages now? Um, I did look at it, but it was too commercial. Like mm-hmm. it was not good content. So I'm like, I'm not gonna follow them. But like, if you I followed an influencer talking about the pants and the style and trying them on, do you feel like that would have influenced you more if than they that? are my body type? So if you go on Lululemon, we're getting deep into this. They're all six something thinner guys. I'm not that body type. And then I realized like, okay, every cut is not made for my height. I'm five, nine versus Bonobos. Like you got the tall guy fit. You got the medium, you got the short, you got stocky, whatever made go in there versus Lululemon. Yeah. At a high level, I just think it's interesting listening to you both again. It, it. I also shop weird. I think like clothes. Uh, no, you, you shop like you and that's how everyone shops. They shop like them. And that's the, the whole idea that of a way, a way to do business. You know, I'm, you describing it makes me think that this is how everyone must like my initial, even though I'm a big fan of a hybrid sales approach and, and I think hybrid is the new black and we've said that for years. When you describe that, pro- I was like, oh, that must be the process this company uses is they kind of. I'm going to go online and it's going to say, don't buy anything from us unless you get fitted or sized. Mm. But it's not. If I just want to go pick a number, I can go order yeah. pants right now. But And they call their stores guide um, guide something. What did it say? Where is it? I was going to say, I didn't even. Guide yeah. shop. It's a guide yeah. shop. It's not even a, a retail store. It's it's someone mm-hmm. there to help you, as you're describing, uh, get answers. But yeah, there's not a single shop. way to do business with them. Just like there's not a single way that people buy things. Um or want yeah. to buy things. So now you need to go. There's one in Columbus. You need to go and see if yeah, there's your one downtown. Uh-huh. is good or not good. Um, be interesting if if you're like, eh, not my thing. And I was like, it might have been like, I get fatigued shopping for that. I'm like, I'm just done with it. I'm like, oh, cool. This seems like we will be positive. I'm more than excited to try everything on because we're in one spot and I'll be done with this thing here in like yeah. 20 minutes. All right, let's let's uh, close up story time. I've got a, just a funny story um, along the like an Aesop's fable the the I'll tell you the, the point of the story ahead of time, which is just, you do what you have to do. If, if you want to something to happen, you do whatever you have to do to make it happen. And I was, I was at MVR, my boss and some regional team members and I were going to Delaware. We were in Pittsburgh at the time, located in Pittsburgh. So a couple hour drive to get there to tour models, look at products, um, and do do some research. I think I also sp- I stayed up until two a.m. negotiating over hard liquor with a drywall company to come to Pittsburgh to do business with us. And I there you go. I did the thing where like when they're not looking, you pour your stuff out, and he kept doing shots. And then when he couldn't really understand anymore, I, I made a contract and made him sign it. So it was it was all business, obviously, the whole time we were there. But because of that late night, I think the rest of the crew decided that they were going to stay one extra night. And I can't remember if it was Easter weekend or Thanksgiving weekend was coming up. I, must, I guess it must have been Easter because it was the weekend. Oh, you better but get they home. They decided then. like, 
well, we're going to call everyone and we're just going to come back one day later than planned. And I don't remember the full context. If I had already done something to make Melanie mad at me and I was scared to ask or what I just, I like, I knew I had to get home and they're like, Oh no, we're, we're staying. I'm like, well, I drove with you. So now I need a rental car. And I call the rental places in the town where we were. Nothing's available. Uh, a lot of them were closing because it was near the end of the day. And we were supposed to be heading back and they decided to stay another night. And so we, I think we were just right next to a U-Haul um, place. And I said, drop me off there. And <laughs> they left me. Like, what? <laughs> they left me behind at a U-Haul. And I rented, I think it was like a 16 foot or 20 foot long truck with nothing in it but me. And I was worried I needed like a different kind of license. It was that big. I, I, mean, I don't remember exactly how big, but I started driving this thing through the mountains. Uh, was, I mean, the terrain, it was, it's not an easy drive uh, back from Delaware through Pittsburgh. And I'm driving this jalopy of a truck that like, you know, in the, in the, what were those shows like Dukes of Hazzard when they're driving, their hands are constantly moving because they're trying to keep the car on the road. You're probably like above the tires. You're just bouncing straight up and down. Yeah. Sounds terrible. It was, it was awful. There was no, the heat and air conditioner didn't work. The radio barely worked. And I remember FaceTiming Melanie and I was like, I'm coming home. And she just burst out laughing. The kids thought it was the funniest thing ever. And then I didn't get home until almost midnight. So I, I pull the truck in, into the driveway and the next, next morning, the neighbors are calling her, texting her like, Hey, are you guys moving? Why is the U-Haul in the driveway? What's going on? She's like, Oh no, he just, he wanted to get back home for the holiday. No, he loves us. So obviously you can get your own parallels there, but it's okay to stay up late every now and then to get things done. It's okay to, um, just do what you need to do. If it, if it, if that lasts for too long, obviously no one wants to you got to guard against burnout and that's a whole other topic. But at the same time, I don't interact with a lot of this directly, but I hear this from managers talking about their team of, you know, we're telling them, Hey, you need to go back to doing what we were doing three years ago or doing this process a different way. And the initial reaction is kind of the, but that's hard. That's, that's not as efficient as the way we were doing it. It's like, well, the way you're, you were doing it, right now is not producing results and that's what you get paid for is results. So yep. I just thought that was a, a fun thing to share. And then also on a leadership call just this morning, someone said, Hey, um, NHB probably should do this more local home building associations. Maybe should do this more, but you guys have a platform. Can you just remind everyone that the world doesn't suck? And I thought <laughs> that was, that was interesting. He, I think we're going to have him back on the podcast. He's been on before. Uh, he, he's an owner of a home building organization out West. And he's like, it's just not that bad. This builder never really built a lot of speculative inventory ever. And their sales team is not, not rusty when it comes to how to sell a new build home. And we were talking through some of the, the objections that are common, like at all times. I mean, in any market, when you're talking to someone, they're like, well, how long is it going to take to build that house? When, it, when the answer was six months, which is certainly a lot better than what a lot of builders can say right now, that was still a long time. People were like, oh my gosh, six months? I don't want to wait six months. And they had to overcome that objection. Mm -hmm. uh, 
talking about the excitement of being able to pick what you want and make those selections and justifying the price based upon getting exactly what you want. Just like your pants, Andrew, as, as easily Just as like possible. Yes, so it's the I, pants. His point was, he also said, you know, I also don't want people to think that I'm insensitive and just saying, um, stop whining, get over it. But it's just not as bad as it could be or it might get. And so we can't start catastrophizing. Is that even a word? I think it's, I think some form of that's a word. Yeah, it sounds um, we, we can't, we can't be chicken little at this moment because it's just not anywhere near chicken little status. And I think he's right. I mean, it, you keep watching the data, keep listening to to the people that you want to listen to about where things might go. But generally speaking, most people have either started coming out the other side of kind of the worst that they've seen of the market for this year. And the ones who haven't yet, the 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 disconnect or range of emotion that I see from sales managers, salespeople, and marketing people compared to owners, mm-hmm. CEOs, is fascinating to watch. And I'm sure compensation, if they're commission-based, has a lot to do with that stress. And there's a, there are a lot of things to go into it. But frontline people are a hell of a lot more stressed out than owners are. I mean, they're asking questions. They're looking to, to know what they need to do and what to change. But at the end of the day, they're like, yeah, but I still make a lot of money when every house sells per home compared to what I did pre-pandemic. A lot of my problems aren't getting better, even though the market's slowing down. So I can't address that. So what am I going to do? And they just seem to be more patient to their credit. We've talked about builders doing fire sales and stuff like that, which then we've shared our opinions on that. But for the most part, they're not as stressed out. And so I just think that's an interesting disparity as well to to consider and, and wonder why that might be and how much of that is intentional or unintentional by the ownership group. True. We do need, I was just looking to see who that calls with. Yeah. He needs to come back on. I'm thinking this is one thing I don't know. So prior to DYC, this is a long story time work was awful. I think I talked about Mm -hmm. internally, at least the dude I worked for investigating, but investigated about FBI, all this crazy stuff. So during that time, I I personally had to figure out how to separate work from home. Otherwise to me, it wasn't fair to have all of my quote energy. I feel like I'm Yoda right now towards that. And then when I get home, there's nothing there for anyone else, even myself. And so during that time of that was pretty miserable, I just figured out how to separate it. I don't know. And so to me, like I was talking with Kevin earlier in the week, like, cool. I oh. leave if it's a stressful day, I leave that door right there behind me. And then cool. If there's something there's, stress going on, like it's, it stays in that room, stays in the office. There's a few the marketers. Of the family doesn't deserve that yeah, stress. I'll, I'll get on a meeting with, and I, I know who they are as people. And I'll be like, and they're, they're just like frantic. They're like, we're not hitting our sales, blah, blah, blah. And then I stop. Okay. And what does upper management think? They're fine with it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, that, that, hey, productive paranoia. And I mean, I was really impressed with my daughter the other day. I don't remember exactly what she said. My, my now 13 year old Sydney, she said something about like, oh yeah, no, I just manipulate my fear to make sure I get my work done on time. And I was like, that's that like so you. amazing. One that you articulated <laughs> that that way, but two that you understand how to do that. Because I, I I've always done that. You know, I, I've said before. I, I I always told myself I was about to be fired at every builder I worked at every week I worked there. It was like productive paranoia in that sense of like, nope, I got to get it done. I got to move it forward. Um, you know, 
being able to know how to control that can become a superpower if you really refine it. Or anxiety for life. Definitely. <laughs> or anxiety <laughs> for life. Yeah, yeah. But Either like, one. It's like one of those two. Remember, we are not a uh, holistic life podcast. This is this is we're all not, about we're selling not homes. Life, life coaches, <laughs> therapists. No. My favorite. So I get to edit the podcast, and my favorite quote of a podcast this year was probably last week's with Jen and you, and oh. you guys, and you guys were talking about like if marketing, if you're not staying up at night, and you have problems, like this isn't right for you. If you're not mm. freaking out. Also, like it, mm. like you need to be working as teams yeah. in in yeah. a healthy way of just like how do I know I'm doing my best? See. I think that's how to think it. Like this is you, why I'm saying if you don't want to grind it out, like, yeah. like if you had a problem, like to me, like I want to, like but grit is the, the kind of the word I use. In my I think brain. the story like, I'm more trying it. to tell is is marketing doing everything that can to show and prove that neither of you is at. I don't want to say fault, but just we are trying our right. best and we're just not hitting those numbers. And here's everything we tried. And unless looking at the data, we need to spend $70,000 on this community next month at our sales goals. These are not realistic sales goals. And we need to rewind and, and set realistic benchmark goals. Yeah, there's definitely the swinging in the pendulum. And this is why I like going long on story time is because oftentimes we, we pull out these really good threads of discussion. And this one is... Yes, you should be concerned. Are are you marketing or are you the marketer doing everything you can and should be doing? But once you do that, also not, you know, don't have the fatalistic attitude of it's just the market. Mm -hmm. At the same time, once you know that you've done everything you can do, have the have the courage and the strength to try to communicate that it goes beyond what your scope of what you've been asked to do is. Have the strength to have that conversation, but then to your point, Andrew, like you still have to be able to go to sleep at night knowing, okay, there is a limit to what I I'm, can do in this mm -hmm. and not over-internalize that to the point of self-destructive behavior mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, and Good now stuff. a quick word from our supporting partner, Opendoor. Hey, home builders, does your customer need to sell before they buy? And they found the perfect new build home, but they need to sell first? Connect your customer with Opendoor and they'll get a preliminary offer within minutes. Go to opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn more about how you can partner with Opendoor. They just came up on a call yesterday with a builder in California. And it was funny because they, they said, is this real? Like I, I've heard you talk about, <laughs> I can't even not laugh, but they were like, is this legit? Like you're talking about this time frame of I was like, absolutely. Now, unfortunately, Open Door is not available in their market currently, but it's um, it's something where they're like, well, we 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 thought about doing it with Zillow, and now we can't do it with Zillow. And what about Open Door? Are they are they legit? Or like, yeah, they're they're real. They're real. And they're real. Now I see their signs all over down here in Tampa. Yeah, ever um, since the partnership with Zillow, they've gone on a blitz, which is interesting because I thought the partnership would have meant they would have lowered their spend on advertising because they're like, well, now we're on the largest real estate platform there is and we're going to have plenty, but no, that, I mean, I've heard more advertisements, seen more things, um, mm -hmm. online related to open door than ever before, which is really interesting to me. Yeah. But it goes back to, I don't think they're going to have a problem in the downturn because when people need to sell their house, not just want to sell their house for convenience, but I need to sell my house. Yeah. There's an option. Like, a, yeah. yep. uh, like a, you're saying, like a distressed seller versus we buy ugly houses or some mm -hmm. someone else who's trying to do creative financing to get their house. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a better choice. Exactly. Much better choice. 
Yeah. All right. On to the news. Uh, first up from builderonline.com, a home builder just sold 52 homes during an open weekend, the grand opening weekend of a new community in St. Louis. It's McBride and Sons is the name of the company. And oh, McBride Homes, sorry, McBride Homes. I thought it was maybe there's another company called McBride and Sons. Hmm. Anyway, what I love is the pictures, the, the pictures of it's, cars everywhere, people everywhere, all these sold signs. It's it just brought back so many warm, fuzzy memories. The sales trailer. Decades of pre-sale without fail all around the country. And it's it's a good reminder that, yes, this general process as a framework still works 100%. Does it, does it require additional adjustments that maybe aren't in the book? Or in, on the negative side, when I saw this, I was like, dang it, I really need to do another webinar another one. on pre-sale without fail yeah, and how do. it's working now. Um, but it absolutely it still works. And it reminded me too that Pre-Sale Without Fail was really the precursor to, to unpacking the concept of becoming market-proof, which is our theme for the summit and obviously the podcast. In that Pre-Sale Without Fail was proof that the, you weren't beholden to just market conditions, that you could create urgency in any market. And it was just a great example to see. And again, I don't, I don't know what process they use exactly, but I love the fact that they have a process and they used it. Now, I said all that really good stuff, and I'm not about to say bad stuff actually either. But I do think it's always interesting to, to go deeper. Just how my mind works, it's, it's sad. But I started counting home, site, si home sites on their website and looking at the site map and trying to figure out what's going on. So I'll, I'll share my screen here quickly with the two of you. But Yeah, I, um, I like their setup. Their In what site. way? Um, I'm pretending I'm a buyer uh -huh. is my thing. So towns there's, but they're single family. So I was confused by that. Yeah. Um, but they're like, what would you call these? Cause they're, they're rather close together and they're, there's a tri-level are they all tri-level? No, there's a tri-level. Then there's a two story. The panoramic map, I think is pretty sweet. It's yeah. That like is a, a pretty cool functionality. Although you can't center it or move the thing. You like, you can rotate around. No. I wanted to be able to kind of pan side, like a drone, like fl move where the yeah. center of the, it's like was, a 360 drone a shot. Really cool tool. Mm -hmm. Just yeah, it's just pretty cool. Just the layout is good, and then just the so there's two floor plans. I'm looking at that right. Only two floor plans. No, there's three. So that that's what I think was the interesting thing. Diving into this. Oh shoot. The community is called Crestwood Crossing. There are three different product lines within that one community, all Ooh. of which were were went to sale on the same grand opening weekend. It appears. So there's estates, there's manors, and there's towns. Okay. I see. Yeah. Somehow yeah. I got only two. Oh, I got, oh, okay. I went to the, the link. I, yeah, the link in the show notes just went straight yeah, to the towns. Yep. Well, then, so I pretended there's only towns, and there's full content, obviously not from this brand new community, but virtual floor plans of tours mm -hmm. of, of everything. So, like, you're, you're, you know what you're going to get before you even show up as far as, like, should we do this? Should we not do this? You could fall in love or not fall in love with the product itself. Um, like, and it's not hiding anything. There's no, I don't know. I think sometimes the way things are linked together, it's mm -hmm. not intuitive. This it's all simple. Like it's right there. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. It's just straightforward. So again, fantastic job <laughs> to McBride who we don't know who does not pay us, nor do we pay them to endorse or talk nicely about each other. <laughs> right. So <laughs> there's that. We don't. The um 
the really interesting thing here to me was that there's 81 home sites that were released, which appears according to the sitemap to be the entire community. So there's three different product lines, the entire community, and one product type in particular, the manners appears to now be completely sold out. The estates, only three home sites remain. And the towns is where uh, the balance, something like 28 homes, 26, 28. I don't know. I counted them all earlier because I'm obsessive about this stuff. So there's a lot of only, uh, only, it's still a lot in today's market. Only five of these towns, which are single family townhomes. So they don't share walls, but they look like a, a, a traditional townhome design. Yeah. So again, fantastic sales results. It's just interesting to me that the, the towns uh, were so far off pace of everything else. And again, this goes beyond what most people in marketing, what your job scope looks like. But if you're thinking about, I would like to become a division president one day or run a, a division of a home building company or my own home building company, some things to think about are, you know, obviously the product is different. So you, we have to take that into account, but also the price points of how these things overlap is also something that should be considered as well. So what I mean by that is if we, if we zoom out to the three, you've got the estate started in the four fifties, the manor started at three seventies and the town started at three forties. The manors right. are completely sold out, which tells us that potentially what could have happened on the manor side. Price to right. Yeah. Price could yeah. have been increased and maybe it was, maybe they ha had an, a step up sales um, plan, but they sold out on the first weekend, which again, a lot of builders would just celebrate that and move on and say, Kevin, shut yeah. up already. That's okay. You can have that perspective. But if, if the manners were slightly higher, the other thing that would happen beyond making more money from each manor sale is that the towns in comparison would look like a better value. And maybe those people who said, I like, I like the square footage I'm getting in this single family townhome but I don't love this kind of unique architectural style that maybe in St. Louis is not as popular as traditional single family homes. But if yeah. you can push that price difference, maybe the towns would have sold better. And maybe that's what's going to happen in the following month when the manors are sold out and all that's left is three estates in the towns. Well, there you go too, if you want to be in this location. So just the nuance there yeah, is just, I think it's something... A lot of people don't spend the time to think through and you can learn from what other people are doing. In this case, one, they sold a heck of a lot of houses. That's awesome. But one of the things that NVR seared into my brain is maximizing profitability on every sale in every market condition possible. And that's both maximizing profit, but also balancing uh, the spread between product offerings in time. So good job. Yeah. It's a cool, cooler community. And, mm -hmm. and what I like is the town's actually look good to me like it doesn't seem like it's a um, oh yeah they, they do oh, we'll settle on those mm -hmm. like i think they have a detached garage that's that is confusing i assume that's that's probably a, a hangout for a lot of people for that product is the yard space there's like none um it looks like but i don't like yard but if you have dogs like i need something to, to let the dogs out so i don't have to walk them and feel like i'm living in an apartment mm -hmm. where, I have, where they have to be on leash all the time but they i mean usually yeah like i said the townhomes were like oh we'll settle on a townhome i guess but these are I'm sure they'll sell out. I think they look nice. Yeah, they they don't seem as skinny as some products in this style look, where they, they, it looks like they're 14 foot wide, yep. uh, super narrow, super tall, kind of out of place. I will say 
the the odd little thing about their community pages that I haven't seen another builder do is their plat maps and how it's the drone air like just the viewpoint yeah. too. So I feel like it's really picture. Yeah, that's um a lot of builders in Texas, there's a vendor who, who's made that very popular. Again, their name escapes me, but I, I've seen a lot of companies use this. One of the negatives is, of course, it's not always updated, so it doesn't show sales. Um, and I don't like having the static sitemap kind of just be a pop-up there. Um, but, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I said there's, you could travel around. It looks like it's panelmaps.us is who they used. Um, yeah. No affiliation. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... Yeah, I want to fly around. Like, let me be on the drone. Just a little bit. I just want to be centered on the community is my only, you're kind of off center on the neighborhood. Anyway, link in the show notes to, to yeah, that stuff. You can go check it out yourself. We were going to talk about um, Apple's iOS updates and some product stuff, but we ain't got time for that. Let's skip that. Uh, so we'll just say a favorite thing between product launch and, you know, new phones, new AirPods, new watches, iOS. What is everyone's favorite thing? The two features that I think were nice about this was one, it doesn't seem like there are any updates to the security features or how any privacy elements will be impacted, which was my biggest takeaway. And two, it does seem like it wants to fight for Garmin GPS, you're lost in the woods elements. Mm -hmm. And then actually I'm going to throw a third in here. If you get in a car crash, it's kind of taking over that recognition that it's been aggressively shook and it will call 911 for you. So it does Mm -hmm. seem like a, like all life alert element for some people in the car that um, yeah. there's a lot of value in that you didn't know you wanted or needed. And now it, I think a lot of people might upgrade to this, but for builders, I, you know, I think it was just nice to see that if they didn't do any drastic changes for anything else in there. How about you, yeah. Andrew? This isn't my favorite one, but I think it's really interesting that they're doing um, Apple pay later mm-hmm. is I think probably the biggest change on here. Essentially could, if you pay with Apple pay, you could then split the payment up. No yeah. interest. Um, which is like, ooh, okay. That's like a firm, I think, is one mm-hmm. that does it, or shop, shop pay, maybe another one with with e-commerce. So this seems really dangerous as far as like letting people <laughs> yeah. do that. I assume there's some type of credit. I have no idea. Oh, there's like, a lot of discussion. You know, Goldman Sachs has been Apple's partner on Apple Pay uh, and the Apple credit card, um, and a lot of discussion of does Apple with as much cash? I mean, why don't they just become a bank and do what they're doing at the same time? Um, because you're talking about privacy, security, all this stuff that obviously when it's related to money, you want to have that same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. The sat- satellite um, emergency call thing was really cool on, uh, on the new iPhones, the two times noise cancellation on the AirPods made me tempted. Although I love my AirPod pros, I, I don't really feel the need to upgrade, but if I didn't have separate headphones for use on airplanes, I might think about upgrading to those because the the noise canceling is supposed to be a lot better, but I mean, come on, everyone. The big thing is uh, 48 megapixel uh, on on the Apple iPhone Pro, and it had a, a stabilizing element to it. Yeah, so for it, video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, gimbals are basically dead. I mean, th- there's there's yeah. various. I have a really large one for a DSLR, yeah. and I have a small one for phone. Mine hangs out right there on my little. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's I already have a, an old drone in my backdrop I, now, I and it. I'm definitely going to have an old gimbal uh, somewhere on there too, because there's just not much point to to. Yeah. Even the gimbals up. made for mobile are terrible. Like I, I think they're awful. The ones for like a, a mirrorless or DSLR, at least you can control what it does. The ones I feel like for mobile, just like 
they try to figure out what you're doing and there's no, you see videos, people using it and like they're, they can't point it where they want it to go. I will say if any marketer or anyone working in content creation for a home builder upgrades to this phone, you have no excuses. This is like you, you have, you don't yeah. need, oh, I need to go get Take cameras. and do this. Box brownie if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. But at least there's, sure. a, there's a great YouTube channel, MKB HD, I think um, it's the Mark Marcus Brownlee. Uh, he's an ultimate Frisbee player who also like 15 years ago started reviewing tech and he started a new channel that's just about cars. And he currently uses, I think five different red cameras that are that's, tens of thousands of dollars with lens and everything together cars. Yeah. to shoot everything that he does on his main channel and his new channel. He's like, no, screw it. I'm just using my iPhone because I'm going to prove to you all that the red cameras don't matter. And we might have time to talk about more of that later with something else Andrew wants to throw in here. But for sure, I mean, now you have to, to shoot 40 megapixels, you have to use Apple ProRes RAW, um, which is not a big deal. It's just by default, it'll use that extra data to make your 12 megapixel images better, sharper, clearer. Um, but it also gives you a 2x zoom that's uh, optical. So it just zooms in on that 40 megapixel space. So the camera is what it's always been about when it mm -hmm. comes to Apple. I mean, I've, I, I only use iPhone in terms of the Mac ecosystem because of the camera yeah. and the reliability with, um, AirPods and the yeah. watch. That's really, it. just works. Um, all right. Facebook changes coming to special audiences and uh, link to the show notes in that at facebook.business.help. But basically they're gone. <laughs> They're gone. They're dead. <laughs> uh, between now and October 12th, they're going to be really dead. And so just be aware of that. I, I mean, honestly, we don't, it's part of the settlement agreement with the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, but Facebook has said uh, to us that they are working on something else super cool that's supposed to come out uh, to, to help marketers. And yet it's kind of not relevant to what we do. Yeah. 85% of the time with our builder partners. So, but if it's, if it's something really important for you, then make sure you understand that. Uh, next up a top requested new Zilla feature. Let's shoppers hide homes. They've ruled out, man. I wish this existed. I know this is nice. And I think a version of it did used to exist, but they're, and they're bringing it back. But anyway, you know, instead of it just being uh, kind of grayed out on the map, the worst for me was when I would, I would know, you know, don't go back to that home you've already looked at, but then it would change it and make it a for you home. And you'd be like, oh, did I already see that one? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First what world think, problems, but. I'll say what I think is interesting is this, in theory, would reduce time on Zillow. Mm. Like, because you, you could just like, I'm house shopping. I'm gonna look at it real quick. Nothing. Cool. I'm gonna go. Just as far as we talk, at least in my brain, I think about Zillow is customer centric, user centric first, even though they need to make money but they make money by being user centric, just like Google. They're the best search engine, Yahoo being all those suck. Google. Great. Let me talk about maybe people who don't like Zillow. Are they truly customer centric? I don't know, but this is to me yeah. a pure customer, customer centric action that could have negative impacts on their KPIs as far as average user time per day, all that stuff um, on Zillow. So. Yeah. yeah, it's I nice like that it. It, it it doesn't show up. I wonder. I didn't see if there's you know if you're if you list your home if there's like seventy five people opted not to see your house. I don't know how important Ooh, that is to you because I know you can see how many people saved it. 
at certain points, but it does say there is an option that someone can bring it back up. And so it's not that okay. if it's gone, it's gone forever. You can, you can bring it back. Yeah. Or like Q, show hidden homes or something. Everyone's thinking I'm crazy. <laughs> um, when I say this, you know, Kevin's got his tinfoil hat on, but I, I always, there's always more to what's being said. And I think there's a couple of things. One, Andrew, like you mentioned, they're shifting from, um, being a, like Amazon is decision-making engine. Mm. We've talked about that before. It's not just about giving you all the content you want. It's helping you make decisions faster. And as Zillow wants to become the super app concept, they need people to make decisions faster and, and reduce the frictions that hopefully more people choose their platform to do all of the things on. And so it's smart, maybe even regardless, to prioritize customer experience over spending less time on Zillow. They might have to figure out a different metric to report to Wall Street, but that's that's a less important problem in the in the grand scheme of things. The second, yep. though, is this is essentially a dislike button for Zillow's AI to use. And this translates perfectly to the struggle with home builders. When we say, oh, look, they've they've looked at that floor plan 10 times. We don't know why they're looking at it 10 times. Just like right now, Zillow has no great way to tell. Are they looking at that same home again and again because they really like it and they just haven't converted on it yet? Or do they not like it? And now it's giving the user a way to say, I don't like this style of home. And don't be surprised if over time they iterate to ask a quick question, just like when you hide something in your feed on Instagram or Facebook and it's like, oh, what don't you like about this? Don't be surprised if the follow-up question is, do you not like the style of this home? Do you not like the square footage? Do you not like the neighborhood? Tell us what you don't like. And because the more data they can get from the user, the better they can engineer the experience for that user and ultimately get them to, again, transact. Yeah, it'd be interesting if like the listing agent would get that feedback as well. Uh-huh. Well, or that'd be really pay, interesting. Pay for that feedback. <laughs> receive. Yes. I'm telling like, you, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, you need to pay me 150 bucks to take professional photos of your home. Yeah, they said <laughs> the what are you talking terrible. about? Well, 50 people, people hated it so much. They said, never let me see that out there. Oh, okay. Hmm, okay. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. From altosresearch.com, housing inventory is declining again. Mike Simonson is back from Burning Man and creating great content on the ho existing housing market. And... Essentially, we are going to end the year with less than uh, 500,000 homes available across the country. So this is, it just means that we're going to start again next year with not enough homes on the market, most likely for to, to meet demand. And Which is good for builders. It, it should be. Yes. Yes. I mean, a lack of supply should be good for builders. The question is, is there an accordion effect that happens where if if new home buyers can't enter the marketplace because no one's willing to sell that starter home to them, interest rates and, and, and all the things around inflation, do they ever join the housing market? And, and Rob, my friend Rob Hahn has talked about this of uh, millennial home ownership rate is below 50% right now. It's the only generation in history to be below, I think, 60%. So if millennials don't ever start buying house, that could be a negative effect because if, if, and then if I yeah. need to sell my house and millennials aren't buying or whoever isn't buying anyway, it's, it's not as clear cut as it might initially seem, but it should be a win. Yeah. If, if builders choose to cut speculative inventory levels, then that just means that at some point in the future, there will be a larger 
lack of supply of houses down down the road. It doesn't mean that 2023 can't start out being tough, but it does mean at some point we're going to need homes. Yeah. And to me, I, th- I think like that means on the marketing side, we need to create that dream or let people dream more on building your own home. Like it's worth a higher mortgage. It's worth like these things are worth it to have what you want. Just back to my pants. I was willing to pay more for the better <laughs> fit or whatever. That's essentially what you're doing. You're paying for a better fit. And we did that with our house. Like we needed, we have five bedrooms and an office so we could expand, contract, whatever, like that type of deal compared to buying an existing home that needed all this work. And so we paid more upfront so that we could have that flexibility and better quote, better life with yep. the floor plan. And last but not least from Forbes.com, we'll save your special um, insight for the next episode, Andrew, because I do Sounds think it's good. It's, it's good enough. We got to talk about it for a while. Um, yeah, true. TikTok secret to explosive growth, billions and billions of dollars, says Snap hmm. CEO Evan Spiegel. Sounds like jealousy. And yeah, and that might be it was all this happened at the code conference in LA, which is one of the biggest tech and media conferences every year. And TikTok was a big point of many different conversations there. Scott Galloway, for instance, um, asked everyone, what if the largest streaming provider in the United States was owned by a Chinese company? What would we think? And it showed like Netflix, Disney, whatever, uh, owned controlled and all the privacy runs through it he's like well that's tiktok now like they there's more content being consumed on tiktok than these streaming platforms in terms of uh uh, minutes so there's a lot of hate and a lot of arrows coming at tiktok from all over the place but i think well i've never heard anyone talk about this aspect of it which is yes their algorithm is awesome and it's very good at serving up more content that you are likely to want to consume but also the parent company of TikTok had spent has spent billions and billions of dollars and ramped up in in a highly unprofitable way to become the giant that they now are in a way that other people couldn't really do because of the sheer amount of income that ByteDance the parent company was bringing in from esports and gaming uh which which is a big business around the world mm-hmm. but especially in China I think they own League of Legends or some giant e-commerce oh, wow. esports e- e- thing as well. So just the the total amount of money and and just being highly unprofitable, but buying acquisition. Now I I don't know. I mean, TikTok didn't really start advertising as much as word of mouth, but did they? Did they pay? I, I, yeah, I just I, I don't know how they got started, but to me, it seems like now twenty twenty two, really last year, the before original content or Reddit would say OC, whatever original content originates from TikTok. Aside, YouTube is special. Mm-hmm. YouTube is completely special. It's a totally different animal. There's people huge on YouTube that are not huge anywhere else. Um, and they complain about it. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, Peter McKinnon, um, he was complaining about Instagram, but like yep. knowing the influencers I know in my life, they're medium influencers that actually do things, not just like look pretty <laughs> TikTok, like, that's where they test new content because it very mm-hmm. quickly goes. It works or it doesn't work. They'll have like two or three million, two or three million views or like 20,000 views or 50,000 views. So they could push content and then it will spread to other channels. And you look at like reels that came from TikTok mm-hmm. um, and the reels on Facebook that came from TikTok. Any viral reel that's on Instagram or TikTok, not TikTok, but Instagram or Facebook 
originated from TikTok. So to me, there's all, all the creators and people that are making the content, whether they're influencers or just people, they're starting it on TikTok for whatever reason. I think it's the view count, even if the view count is a lie and it's made up, it is exciting to go, oh, I got 5,000 views. If you're getting started and you're brand new to it on TikTok versus you throw a reel on Instagram, you get 150. Well, what's interesting like, about this hmm. argument is that he's saying that they paid billions and billions of dollars to acquire users. Now, maybe they did it via Apple's yeah. App Store advertising. Yeah. And maybe. I miss that. Like maybe they paid to I have a it. prominent position in the App Store and that cost them billions and billions of dollars. But I don't know a lot of people who would say that, that they became aware of TikTok due to a promotion or an ad. That, that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It still needed to be, the content still needed to be there. Cause even if they spent billions on it and they exactly. open the app up, they're like, this is garbage. So to your point, then maybe I it's would just delete it. I think it's, I think there's some, well, then snap had to lay off 20% of their workforce. I think snap is, I'm not on snap. Um, I was when it first came out, if we remember DJ Khaled was pushing it and that's where snap really blew up. If people listening, remember when that happened. And then since then, I think it's, to me, it's still, I don't, I may have been too old for it, but the few people that I don't know that are on it, like it's very few and they have like their way they operate it. Jackie, I think you use it, but it's like, here's your group of people. Pictures of my kid. And I'm like, there go. I taught them how to use this. I'm not teaching them anything else. So that's why that's we funny. use it. Like it's more niched scenarios. Yeah. But the hate wasn't just coming from Snapchat. Uh, CEO of Apple, Tim Cook also said without naming names, we never put out the phone for somebody to endlessly mindlessly scroll on a feed. It's like, what did you, I'm confused by that. Maybe. Well, he's just saying we, we created a device that we wanted to make people's it's lives so better. Much, it's so much more than that. I think is what he's, is that what he means? Like it's, it's a tool. It, it can do anything. It has possibility mm -hmm. like it. Yeah. Like 48 megapixels. We're talking the camera. Like you don't need a, a red, you don't need this anymore. You have your iPhone. Yeah. Maybe that's I just what think he, It's so interesting. How it's not every, a TV. Everyone loves to hate TikTok in, in Silicon Valley right now. They do. Well, there's, yeah. On the margins. <laughs> Something. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Be sure to send in your industry-related questions to show at zucovert.com, and we'll touch on them in the next episode. Have a good one, and we will see you at the summit in Phoenix. Ooh, see you there. Thanks, Marketproof Marketing is proudly supported by Opendoor. Visit opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn how you can partner with Opendoor to increase certainty, speed, and ease for your home buyers. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peake, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. View hundreds of articles, videos, and more for free at doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on social networks or in real life. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.